Episode 5 All right, Chris said. You know the rules. Phones, please. Clive groaned. Bruce and Dorian pretended not to hear. Come on, Chris insisted. We've agreed on this. Last time you kept your phones, you were on them the whole time, especially you two, pointing at Bruce and Clive. You didn't even recognise the name of the main character, Clive. And you, Bruce, thought that he should have got together with the girl who turned out to be his sister. Maybe Bruce knew that when he suggested it, Dorian offered. Oh, come on, Dorian, that's too much, Martin protested. Just saying, who are we to judge? And that's enough of that. Uh, Give me your phones. Chris swallowed his own outrage and foresaw the argument. They did as they were told. And your iPod, Clive. And your tablet, Alfred. I don't want you reading articles if you find our choices boring. All devices having been confiscated, Chris went first as most of them agreed that the choices of the others might be a bit intense, and it was best to work up to them rather than launch right in. Bruce's episode would be kept in reserve for a break when they wanted some light relief. Chris's choice was Season 5, Episode 1 of the Series 24. As he said that later episodes would make no sense out of context and would be massive spoilers. The episode contained a surprise assassination and plenty of action and suspense. This was Chris's binge material of choice, and he got so into it just re-watching it that he might well have chosen to spend Sunday binging this season, were it not for the PS6. They were all engrossed. It was impossible not to be. As the credits rolled, Bruce said, Well, that was fun, Chris. I would certainly binge-watch that. Good choice. Who's next? Mr. Machine here? Gesture at Alfred. Mr. Crazy? Dorian. Mr. Moralist? Martin. Or perhaps Mr. Intellectual? Clive. Aren't you pleased with your neat little labels, Mr. Sterling? Clive shot back. Sterling? I look at you and I practically see little pound signs where your pupils should be. Touché. Bruce grinned amiably, not in the least offended. So, who's next? I'll go, Clive said. Have any of you seen Mr. Robot? Now, that's what I should have called Alfred, Bruce said. No, I haven't seen it. I've heard about it. Sounds too crazy. Only Dorian and Clive had. Clive gave a little intro. It's about a hacker who tries to bring down a huge blood-sucking corporation and the shadowy powers behind it. Chris leant forward, interested. But I love it for two other reasons, Clive continued. The hacker suffers from more traumas and mental health conditions than you could possibly imagine. It's a really nuanced look at loneliness, addiction, depression, abuse, loss. I won't tell you more. I can't give it away. 
Unfortunately, I can't introduce you to these themes properly in one episode without giving things away, but this one is a cinematographic masterpiece, which is the second reason. You see? Bruce nudged Martin sitting next to him. The intellectual. Let's see whether all your other labels will be correct. Martin replied. They watched the sixth episode of the third season of Mr. Robot, filmed to look like a one-shot sequence. The tension and the music and the alternative working of the protagonist's mind sucked them in, as did the swirling one-shot visuals. However, sorry, Chris is still on top for me, was Bruce's verdict. Could you stop pronouncing for once? Clive was a little irritable. Don't let him get to you, Alfred said. He just can't take the tension of the episode. This is his way of lessening it. Remind me again why you're not a therapist? Bruce asked. Okay, enough banter, Chris said. Mr. Robot had gone over well with the others, however, as did the next episode, Martin's Choice. It was an episode from Lost, where a birth and a death, and the contrasting joy and grief were brilliantly and movingly juxtaposed. Still the moralist now? Martin asked Bruce. Not with this one, Bruce was forced to admit. He looked thoughtfully, from Dorian to Alfred to Dorian again, whose episode would be more out there. They looked back at him straight-faced. Alfred naturally so, Dorian poker-faced. Definitely Dorian, Bruce decided. So, Alfred was up next and made Bruce reconsider his assumption with the second episode of Black Mirror. Its protagonist was a young man, overwhelmed by a shallow society, that objectified human beings. He lashed out in protest, only for his protest to become part of the very system that had outraged the protagonist in the first place. He became yet another jaded entertainer. Chris was nodding along with the message, as was Clive. Dorian and Alfred were likewise, though less visibly, engaged. But Bruce was alienated. His light-hearted interlude was overdue, and he was soon roaring with laughter at the incongruity of the various characters in Allo Allo, looking for a priceless painting concealed in a sausage, each group of people in ridiculous disguises. Chris and Martin laughed along with him while Dorian and Clive smiled at the more absurd moments. Alfred remained impassive. Before Dorian's episode, to which they looked forward with trepidation, the group evaluated the entertainment of the night as it had been so far, partially because no one thought Dorian had an earthly chance. Best series to binge? Chris asked. 24. That was unanimous, but the best episode was harder to determine. Since they weren't allowed to vote for their own choices, it came down to Dorian and Alfred in a rare alliance for Mr. Robot 
Martin, Clive and Chris for Black Mirror and Bruce for 24. They then voted for their top two and Black Mirror beat Lost 5-4. Finally, it was time. All right, Bruce said. We cannot put it off any longer. Dorian, do your worst. Dorian maintained an air of quiet dignity. My favourite episode of all time is the final of Flash Forward, but since that would spoil the whole series, I want you to watch the first one. And they did. And afterwards found themselves voting down 24 for most binge-worthy series 4-2 in favour of Flash Forward, with Bruce and Chris being the two. They all gave Dorian, who had maintained the air of a sphinx throughout the proceedings, a look of reappraisal. The vote over, he unfroze. You see, the episode itself is just okay, but the concept is epic. Everyone has a vision where they see what they'll be doing in six months' time. Some fight it, some ignore it, and some embrace it. It seems like the future couldn't possibly come true once people are trying to stop it, but it happens anyway. The last episode, where the visions of the first episode come true, is just beautiful. There's like a will behind all of us that directs things and our choices. Do we embrace it or do we make it drag us kicking and screaming? Alfred did not consider this worth tackling. Martin wondered why Alfred put up with quite a bit of Dorian's nonsense, but came down on his own views like a sledgehammer. Probably because Dorian and his utterances could not be taken seriously most of the time. Whereas Martin was actually a threat to Alfred's rationalism and sociological approach to all issues. The night ended on a quiet, reflective note with all of them processing the overload of wildly varying sights, sounds, actions, emotions, and ideas that they had subjected themselves and one another to over the past five or six hours. Dorian's spiritual take on Flash Forward was muted, Bruce did not unleash a flippant comment, and Alfred did not place any of their words or the contents of the episodes under the microscope. There was a few minutes pause, while they sat there in companionable silence. Then Clive reached absently for his phone. Remembering, he went to the kitchen table, where Chris had left the phones and checked his various social media profiles for notifications, and for anything interesting that may have happened over the past few hours. The others followed suit. They did not take long. They were tired and reflective, and most of them were looking forward to a full day of gaming, which they did not want to start too late. They accordingly switched them off or turned them on silent mode after a few minutes and drifted off to bed. By 1am, both flats were offline. Like most of the country, they missed the announcement. Clive, the last one to switch off, by only 10 minutes. It did not particularly alarm and therefore prepare the few that caught it. Earth's satellites transmitted a warning that there had been an explosion on the surface of the sun just as a stream of charged particles arrived almost at the speed of light. 
they bombarded the Earth's magnetic sphere, hitting and disrupting most of the communications satellites. Leaders worldwide were alerted by their scientific advisors that this was a prelude to the arrival of a cloud of plasma or coronary mass ejection, CME, but were unsure of its severity or precise time of arrival. Their efforts were hampered by the immense strain put on the terrestrial and underwater lines by the loss of the satellites. The announcement that the group just missed out on warned the population of the possibility of some local disruptions in communications and the power grid from the early afternoon GMT onwards. The worst case scenario brought the time of impact forward to mid-morning. Some areas might lose power for much of the afternoon, the forecasters predicted. The CME hit NASA's ACE satellite that should have given the Earth a 15 to 30 minutes warning of its arrival and its severity at 7.32 a.m. GMT. It suddenly became horribly clear that the CME was arriving sooner and would be far more devastating than even the most pessimistic predictions. A wave of panic swept from NASA's monitoring station to the US government, to the UN, to the governments of other countries, and to every single TV station, media outlet, and social media site that could be contacted in time, spreading chaos in its wake. Their desperate babble of imminent doom overloaded the already severely strained communications lines, causing many servers to crash. It did not matter. By then it was too late anyway. The people who could have done something about it and to whom the message got through did not have enough time to do so. Those who knew expended their last few minutes of technology in a frenetic, directionless rush that passed by an oblivious nation just waking up from its last good night's sleep. Thank you for listening to my tale. Please like, subscribe and share to stay updated on the next instalments and so I can reach more people. If you don't want to wait or you prefer to read, you can find Sandcastle at High Tide on Amazon. The link is in the description.